Okay. Tastes like mud. So, we have coming from another hiatus. Yeah, this one actually wasn't my fault. <laughs> okay. It um, wasn't. <laughs> it really wasn't. I was ready. Okay. We are doing a new series. Yes. Because I'm getting sick of hearing about PK. Uh-huh. Fuck that guy. We are doing women in Formula One. We're starting with drivers. Yes. And depending on the length of the episodes, they're either going to be full-length episodes or mini bonus episodes because there weren't a whole lot of women and there's not a whole lot of information about them. Not a whole lot. Not from what I remember doing research way back when I like first got into Formula One. I couldn't really find a lot of information, even on like Layla Lombardi. Yeah, no. Um, so what's really interesting actually is because I've done the research for the first driver we're doing, Maria Teresa De Filippis. Pretty sure I said her name right. She's the first driver in Formula One, and she had less information about her driving mm-hmm. from what I could find and more information about her personal life, like growing up mm-hmm. and after she left Formula One. For Lella Lombardi, it was the opposite. There was a lot of information about her driving mm-hmm. and more information about the cars she was in and less information about her life, especially after yeah, nobody really Formula One. Hyped because women in women especially don't get the recognition they do in Formula One. It's like the same with the mechanics, where only a handful of engineers actually get recognition, like Gordon Murray or Patrick Head or Adrian Newey. Women should get like the same amount of, I guess, recognition because, however shitty they were as drivers in F one, they were very Who? successful outside of it. No, but we like, are not starting this off with you. Doing that whole, oh, the reason women weren't successful in Formula One was because they just weren't good. They no. weren't good. No. <laughs> okay. Layla Lombardi, who we'll get to. Layla Lombardi will be the next episode. She will. Because she was the second female driver and, in Formula One. And she was the only one to score points in an F1 race. Spoilers, by the way. If you think that the women don't deserve like the recognition they do, this might not be the episode for you. It's going to be a very interesting conversation because a lot of it is just about the sheer difference from... Like the equipment, like Kimberly was saying, the, the cars they were given, maybe the mechanics didn't treat them the same way. So Layla Lombardi and, you know, uh, Susie, yes, and Susie Wolf, a lot of modern drivers only get drives because of the money they bring. Sponsorship's usually about like 60% of the income. So whether you want to talk shit about Layla because she didn't- Lella. Lella. Because she didn't score the results or because she wasn't taken seriously, that's going to be something we'll debate. I mean, I think that you're, well, I know you're wrong because I've done the research and I think that you're going to make a big fool out of yourself next episode. But fortunately, this episode, we are not talking about Lella Lombardi. That's next episode. This episode, we are covering the life and career of Maria Teresa de Filippis. She was the first female Formula One driver. And she actually had a really interesting career and she got screwed. She was finessed. So it's sad. She was born November 11th, 1926, oh, which damn. is That's practically old. my birthday. I'm basically famous. It's one day off from my birthday. Which day you we know. won't tell you, but. <laughs> You could, could literally be, could just check. I'm pretty sure other. that's like public information on my Facebook page. By the way, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jonathan Sanchez Ortiz. You can't follow people on Facebook. I said Instagram. You said Facebook and, and Instagram. And Instagram, yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. She was born in Naples, Italy, so she liked pizza. Yes. I'm assuming. I feel like all Italians like pizza. They do like other olive oil. She was the youngest of five children. It seems as though all of her siblings were brothers, but I couldn't find that information for sure. It's never mentioned that she has a sister, so I'm assuming she was the youngest of five and the only girl, Mm -hmm. but I don't know for sure. She had a Spanish mother... And her father was an Italian count, so they had money. Which tends to happen. Right. Her father owned the 16th century Palazzo Mergillano in Naples. I said that terribly. Please don't come for me. one does, people just own random... Well, and the Palazzo Bianco White Palace near Caserta, which is also in Italy... So I looked both of these places up because they had really fancy names. Turns out that in Italy, people say Palazzo for pretty much anything that has more than three rooms. Mm. Um, The Palazzo Marigliano, somebody please tell me how to say that, was actually a famous Renaissance-style palace. It was built by Giovanni Donario in 1512 and 1513. So it's really famous. The architect who designed it, Giovanni Donadio. He's really famous in Italy and in Spain for his architecture. It's fancy. It's fancy. They had money, whatever. So Just like Piquet. Yeah, like Piquet, <laughs> except Piquet, you know. Had talent and won three championships. Didn't oh. matter, but he sucked right off the bat because he had a penis, so everyone wanted him to succeed. Maria de Filippis was a keen horse rider and tennis player in her teens, so she was already proving that she's athletic. She, much like PK, who was good at tennis, and in fact went to school in the U.S., right? Yes. Or under a tennis scholarship. Yeah, I think it was Georgia that he went to. He went to UGA, I think. Oh, God, I'm jealous. Yeah. UGA is a dream school. Of course he did. Looking at these women, I'm finding, like... I have to not only go searching for more information, it's like page four, five, six on a Google search Mm -hmm. and their Wikipedia page has like nothing. Yeah. It's, there is a discrepancy between men who are athletes and women who are athletes, especially in sports as far as racing. Like the only female driver who I know of in motorsports is, um, oh, what is her name? She's from NASCAR. Danica Patrick. She's actually a, like, I guess she's a really piece of trash human, but. Yeah, so she, A, hasn't won a single, like, championship. Her best finishes are usually, like, I just meant her as a person. Oh, I meant, like, her as a driver, which, again, like, the only reason she's popular is because they made her kind of, like, a sex symbol. Which is her fault because she agreed to it. Do not tell me this is her fault. Mm. Do not say the words it's her fault because she agreed to it. How much money do you think she would be making if she hadn't agreed to that? Do you think she would still be racing? Don't even come at me about the money, babe, because that's not making your position. How is that not making my position better? She's still racing because she agreed to be marketed. The only way that people who were spectators of that sport would accept her. Because I haven't seen a female driver be marketed in a way... That most of them in like a non-sexual way. She wasn't marketed in a non-sexual way, and that's why I'm saying because no traction because I would have been given to her. Well, I'm saying there are a lot of female athletes who have been outside of Formula One marketed in non-sexual ways. So Ring Magazine is one of the most famous boxing magazines out there, right? Before Ronda Rousey was on the cover, there was some lady in the 70s. Okay. And they were on the front cover, not as like sex symbols, but as athletes. But that so that's the have problem. to do with motorsport. Well, no, what I'm saying is that Danica Patrick, when she was marketed, she was in like a, like a skimpy bikini right next to her car. It wasn't her. I was because like a bad bitch. that's how motorsport 
markets women. There are so few women it's who break into... It's not motorsport that yes, markets it is. them, babe. If I agree to something that's going to make me look a certain way, I'm the only one who you should really blame because A, I signed the contract so and B, I know exactly what I So it's her fault that she's attractive and an athlete. It's not about the attractiveness. It's about how you agreed to make yourself appear. So that's what I'm saying. Okay, whatever. Yeah, so now you're mm-hmm. upset because... I'm upset because you're wrong. I'm just trying to l- say that... I haven't seen cases in motorsport of women that have not been marketed in non-sexual. The fact that there are no women in motorsport in and of itself is unfair. There's something called the W series, which is an all women's series for motor racing. I don't see Jamie Chadwick who won the championship being put up as like a sex symbol. Sophia Flourish. Who or even knows about the W series? A lot of people who follow Formula One. A lot of people who follow Formula E. It's a, it's like a port race. A support race. Yes. Okay. It's so a stand- as long as it's women a standalone- still get a support race, we're fine, right? We don't Baby. need to actually be in the main race. So if you really want to get into this, Tatiana Calderon is in the Alfa Romeo Academy, mm-hmm. right? She's like the closest thing that Formula One has to a woman, a racing driver, and she's not very good as like a racer. But in terms of marketing, she's marketed in like her race suit. She's not in a skimpy bikini like on the hood of her car. Why does it matter what she's wearing? Because you're the one that's saying Danica Patrick is being marketed as a sex symbol. Yes. Well, because she's Wait, in a- she's, she's in the a one b- who said she She's being marketed she's, as a sex symbol. She's in a bikini on her car. Okay. My point is, I know Hamilton. I know Sergio Perez. I know all of these racers who are men. Yeah. I do not know any female racers. I don't even know a female racer who was considered for this season. Yeah. It's not because there aren't women who are interested. It's because men are taking over the sport. They have taken over the sport. It's their sport. And now it's impossible for a woman to come in and take a spot and be taken seriously, which you're gonna see in this series of women who try to do exactly that, come Mm -hmm. in and be a part of this sport, and they get told over and over again that they can't be because they're women and it's not their place. That I agree with. And we are not slut-shaming Danica Patrick. I'm not slut-shaming. So like, if we're gonna talk about women in motorsport, yes, they got finessed, very much so. I'm not saying they didn't. But it doesn't matter because No, who the fuck said it doesn't matter? What I would like is for you to stop being like, well, she chose to allow herself to be objectified. She's a grown Therefore, woman. Oh, and grown women can't be put into positions that make them uncomfortable, but they do them anyway so that they can maintain their career. No one is going to look at Danica Patrick as less of a person because she doesn't want to be shown in a bikini for an ad. Yes, they are. I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't be a part of that. Good for you. You're like a miracle man. I don't know what to tell you. I'm literally, well, okay, so now you generalized it and now it's not about her as a racing driver. It's about I didn't even say as a racing driver. I said she was just a trash person. I said she was a shit racing driver because this is about racing. Okay, so she's a shit racing driver. But then you made it about the fact that she posed in a bikini next to her car. Because you you said women don't get marketed in a positive way. Because they don't. Because they don't. Babe. Do not say because they don't allow themselves to be. I swear (laughs) to God, I will leave this house. Okay, we disagree very strongly with each other. I am going to hear what you have to say. And I understand that women in Formula One. Women in motorsport. Women in motorsport in general need to be taken a lot more seriously. That's it. They do need to be taken more seriously. There need to be more women. And so Susie Wolf, before taking up a role, I think in Formula E or something, was the Williams reserve driver. And so she was like this close to being in an F1 race. And she was going to be the first woman since Leila Lombardi, who we're going to talk about in the next race, to have taken part in a, in a race, which I think is fucking dope. Tatiana, That's actually false. Really? Yep. No, who was... Was it an Australian? Nope. Was it in like 2010? Nope. Really? Yep. 
Who was before? Who was in between Lella Lombardi and Susie Wolf? Well, it was during Lella Lombardi. Oh, was it Giovanna Amati? No, it wasn't. Because it was they it were around the same time. Giovanna Amati came after Lella mm. Lombardi. Yes. There is someone I can't remember her name. She's in the Lella Lombardi notes for the episode. She was in a race. I don't know if she did more than one race, but she was in a race mm-hmm. with Lella Lombardi actually. Okay. So. Um, so correction. Suck on that. Yes. Anyways. So we're gonna get back to Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, I want to yeet you <laughs> with a car. Yes. Anyway, so Dee Philippus, she was like PK, a tennis player in her teens. I didn't see anything saying she was very exceptional at tennis. She definitely didn't get a scholarship to go to school anywhere because of her skills. So maybe PK was better at tennis than she was, but uh, definitely not a better racer. So she began racing at age 22. She didn't begin in Formula One, obviously. She actually- So this is right around the 22. She was born in 1929, right? She was born in 1926. So when she was 22, it was 48. Yeah, so it was like right around the time that the war was over. Which is really interesting. So you're gonna get into this. This is really interesting, go ahead. Okay, so she began her racing career with bitch-ass brothers. Again, men telling women they can't do. Did did she serve at all in the army? Sorry to cut you off. Because she would have been around the right age, around 1945. So I actually, I looked. I looked and I could not find anything. It didn't say anything about like what she did as a career before racing. It didn't say anything about her schooling. It didn't say anything about whether she was in the war, nothing. But I would imagine part of the reason because she was in Italy that there is less information about her is because of the war going on. Yeah. You just not got destroyed. It, well, yeah, that or honestly, there are other things. Like this is one of those moments I will say, yes, women are important. Yes, women don't get the recognition they deserve. Yes, women definitely aren't recorded in history as being as great or as notable as they should be. Mm-hmm. There were things bigger than Maria Teresa de Filippis going on at the time. I'm sure people weren't worried about that one chick who said she was going to be a race car driver. Two of her brothers actually told her she would not be able to go fast. And this is one of the things that she was recorded as saying gave her the drive to go fast and to be successful. This chick was literally so petty. She was like, fuck them. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go and make my money Mm -hmm. and tell them to go screw themselves afterwards. She won her first race in a Fiat 500. Nice. It was a 6.2 mile race between Salerno and Cava di Terreni. Nice. I couldn't find any more information about it. I couldn't find what race it was. I couldn't find what year. I couldn't find, I couldn't find anything. The cool thing about races back then is that they would host these races on live highways. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, you'd have just like daily traffic and you'd Mm -hmm. have just niggas mobbing by and like I I would be so stressed out. So she went on to drive in the Italian sports car championship. Which is dope. Again, I could not find what year she started driving for the Italian sports car championship. All I could find was that she did finish second in the 1954 season. So she is already showing, like she has skill behind the wheel of a car. That's dope. And this is someone who, I mean, she didn't go to any racing school she didn't do any of that because it wasn't available to women at the time mm-hmm. it was just you showed up and if you raced well yeah good for you well, that and the cars back in the day would literally kill you if you fucked up exactly so she's she's good um maserati in fact hello fancy cars mm-hmm. they saw her potential and they brought her in as their works driver now i'm no motorsport Person. expert okay i don't know anything about what that is so i had to works look it up just- 
Okay. And okay, you know, okay, yeah, how about yep, I'm not you didn't mean explain because yeah. this is my episode. Yeah, you can go ahead and and yeah, somebody already mansplained the word reflect to me. It basically is just like the the driver that is in training to take over should another mm-hmm. driver retire or go to a different team or for whatever reason they need someone as a backup. Like mm-hmm. that's from what I got is the works driver. It's kind of like their third guy that they have the on hand. Yeah. Which I don't know why they can't just call him the reserve driver. I feel like that would be a lot easier. Mm-hmm. I would have understood better. It wouldn't have been an extra 10 minutes of research, but yeah. it's fun. So, easily. 1956, Ooh. she finishes second again in a sports car race. It was Oh, just a race, not a championship. Well, no, so that's the thing. It was a race. It was a supporting race, and it was during the 1956 Naples Grand Prix. She was in a Maserati 200S. I couldn't find a lot about the chassis or the engine or anything for the car. Mm-hmm. I don't know it why. Was a it, was, it was a Maserati. I don't know. I'm sure it went fast. <laughs> so before she was given the chance to enter into any Formula One races or anything, she did do hill climbing and endurance racing. Nice. I know what endurance racing is. It's, you know, teams of multiple drivers. They cover a large distance in a single event. It's like the, what is the 24, 24 hours. hours of Le Mans, which is... I mean, it's, I would say, the most famous endurance race. Yeah, it's literally the only like, one people care about. The right under yeah. it would be, like, the tw- like 12 hours of sea break. So, hill climbing was one I didn't know what it was. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, I thought still, that was a hiking thing. No. So, I guess it's literally exactly what it sounds like. Drivers are just trying to fight against a clock to complete an uphill course. Yep. Which is really weird it's actually hill climbing is one of the oldest forms of motorsport its first known occurrence was at la turby near nice france is it it's spelled nice i'm pretty sure you call it it's nice. nice no it's nice it's very very nice he's nice shut up <laughs> um it that was on january 31st 1897 so this is like old old yeah like first the fucking cars the really Dope thing is that the people who probably raced in that race were still alive around the time that this woman was racing, which is crazy to think. And no. It was 1890s. That's only a 50-year difference. If they were racing in their, like, 30s or even in their 20s, they're probably still around. They would have been 100 years old at that point. Over 100 years in old. In the 1890s? 1890 yeah. minus 1950 is about a 50-year, 6-year difference, babe. No, but if they were racing in their 20s or 30s... Yeah, and 1890 was the, the time, like, they were 20. You 1897, add that's at the end of 1890. Wait, I can't... Babe, no, that's only, like, 40... People didn't live that long back then. Yes, they did. The Barely. Oldest, babe, there was a... Yeah, no, they lived to be, like, 90. No, they didn't. Yes, they did. Okay. Anywho, you were saying hill climbing, all that good shit. Yeah, so... Again, I could not find any information on how she did in those races. Oh, shocker. Yeah. We finally get to where she enters in Formula One. Mm. Before we start talking about DeFilippis and how she drove, we're going to talk about the team she was with, Maserati. Ooh. They were fairly successful in the 1950s, which is disappointing because I don't think Maserati has a Formula One team anymore. They stopped. They completely took out all of their involvement in like the mid to late 50s. They haven't shown up and probably won't show up. They pretty much got swallowed up by Ford in the 90s. Which is disappointing because I feel like they could really like they have nice cars. They design really interesting engines. Think of it this way. Back in the 1950s, the, the teams that were driving Maserati, Alfa Romeo, Ferrari... You had Cooper, Van Wall, all of these companies 
weren't corporations. They were literally just people working out of garages. Yeah, which is amazing. I feel now like everything not... would be better if that was how we were still doing things. I mean, mm -hmm. maybe not necessarily safety-wise, but... Well, that's why, because you need to make sure that you have all of your crash structures a certain way. You need to make sure your wings aren't... Yeah, this, whatever. Well, back, back in the day, they were just like, hey, let's bend this metal and put it on the car, right? So... Think of it this way, in the sense that, like, the Aston Martin and, like, Maserati intellectual property was bought up by Ford in the 90s. Mm -hmm. Like, even that sentence alone, it's like, that's such an old, like, the 50s were so long ago that people just don't remember really what it was like to race like that. Mm. And it's sad because not only was it really expensive, but the, the teams that were racing were totally self-funded. Like, they, they drove in their national colors. Which so. is so cool. Which is dope. And it wasn't until 67 or 68 when Colin Chapman rolled up with his Gold Leaf Lotus. It was a Gold, gold Leaf was a tobacco company. Mm -hmm. And originally the Lotuses were green and yellow because British racing green. Right. And then literally it was like one race they were green and yellow and then the <laughs> next they were like red and gold. And they're like, what the fuck? Who the fuck's Gold Leaf? <laughs> And then Colin Chapman was asked and Chapman was like, yeah, no, they paid us a hundred grand and we painted the car in their color. And then everyone's like, what the fuck? They just gave you a hundred grand. But cars back in the day were fucking deadly. They were, if you don't know what drum brakes are, they're the shittiest brakes that you can imagine because they were very inefficient as brakes and the tires on them were probably like maybe three or four times the thickness of a bicycle tire. So they were very thin and they had these massive 12 cylinder engines. Uh. Enzo Ferrari was famous for saying that if you're a car maker, this was around the time of aerodynamics with like racing wings and shit like mm -hmm. that. Ferrari was the like the last racing team to adopt them until they started losing. Right. And Ferrari was like, it's all about the engine. It's all about how much power you produce. It's got nothing to do with aerodynamics because if you can't build a good engine, then like, that's- Like, what do you do? Like, what do you do? Yeah, that doesn't end And which is fucking hilarious because Ferrari's always seen as this, like, big dick team. But <laughs> a lot of the races they won because they bitched to the FIA. But anyway, yeah. I'm rambling. Yes, yes, cars were deadly back in the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So- Maserati actually supplied engines and other equipment to a lot of the teams at mm -hmm. the time. They yep. were one of the main manufacturers, is that the word? Mm -hmm. Where yep. Because what they were making uh -huh. was so good, other teams wanted it. Yeah. They had a winning streak. They were winning numerous races. They were just, they were killing it. Yep. The 1950s was Maserati's decade. In 1957, Juan Manuel Fangio, he won oh, yeah. the driver's title mm -hmm. in a Maserati 250F. That's the year that he did like the mid-season switch, right? I actually, I didn't look too far into that because I didn't want to make... It about Fangio? It about Well, we're going to do an episode on Fangio. Who, yeah, well then, perfect. Look, Great. he gets his own episode already. She's getting her own episode. Why are you complaining? Because... Don't come at me like this. No. So, <laughs> 1957, Juan Manuel Fangio won the driver's title in a Maserati 250F. Okay. Moving on to 1958, the year after Fangio wins the driver's title in a Maserati, DeFilippis is given the opportunity to enter on May 18th at the Monaco Grand Prix. Good for her. This is the second round of the 1958 Formula One season. She is put in the same car that Fangio used to win the year prior. The championship or the race? The driver's title. Okay, okay, just make sure. The Maserati 250F. Yes. Now, okay. this kind of irritates me. Obviously, she is the second driver. She's not going to be given the better car, the newer car, the newer engine, anything, whatever. But it annoys me that she was in last season's car. I actually have a photo of this car to show you. So it was in, the car itself was in use from January 1954 to November of 1960s. Oh, wow. That's a long ass time. This is two years before this the chassis model much, yeah. 
is discontinued, which not bad, but I, again, I feel like she could have been in newer equipment, whatever. It featured an aluminum tubular ladder frame chassis and a V12 naturally aspirated engine. I would imagine that the naturally aspirated engine was going to be a benefit to her, something she's more used to because Mm -hmm. she was doing that hill climb racing and Mm -hmm. that from what I recall in our previous episodes, would have been the ideal engine to have. Yeah, you don't want something with turbo lag in such a windy road course. Right. Which is why the naturally aspirated engines do pretty well in Monaco. Even in the turbo era, in like the mid-80s, turbo cars did really, really well. You'd mm -hmm. imagine like PK when we cover 1984, 1985. Any high altitude race, they do well. mm -hmm. Well, Monaco's not high altitude, but like they had a lot of power. Well, but what I mean is she should have been used to this engine. Yeah. Because it was something she should have been driving already with the hill climb racing. Actually, in terms of natural aspiration versus a supercharger, the supercharger is on just about on par. It's a type of forced induction that has no turbo lag. And it tends to favor, depending on the type of supercharger, like how you configure it. It can either be really good at low revs, mid revs, or high revs. And I would imagine that like a supercharger would be good at like low revs for a hill climb if you had a supercharger, but naturally aspirated usually is like the way to go. Yeah. This car had a very distinct kazoo shape. We'll post a picture on yes. the Instagram yeah, after follow this episode. Apex F1 podcast yes. on Instagram. I'm going to show you this car because it actually looks really, really interesting. Oh, that's sexy. It looks like a kazoo with wheels. Yeah. Like So the really, the really awesome thing is that the only reason the car was that long was because of the engine. Yeah. 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 So that's actually, if you let me get to that mentioned here sterling moss went on to say that the 250f was the best front engine f1 car he ever drove now i did extra research on what a front engine car meant Mm -hmm. and that means that the car is going to be longer in the front the engine is built more like a tube yes it's really interesting i thought it was really cool it's dope one of the downsides for front engine cars was that like the drive shaft literally was like right in between the driver's legs yeah so they were really dangerous yeah you had this big giant piece of metal that was spinning at like fucking twenty thousand rpm right in between your legs i would literally just shit myself (laughs) i think this is where the women had an advantage because if you were a man you didn't you had to like drive with that like sense of like oh fuck i'm gonna get my nuts chopped off you do know that we do have vaginas that was a joke that we do also worry about our vaginas that was a joke okay it it was a joke for the guys Uh let's cater to the men during this episode totally anyway we're gonna have to eventually no fuck the men (laughs) sorry We literally That's the spirit. Have, our analytics <laughs> say we literally only have like two women listeners. I'm pretty sure it's my mom and I. Yeah. So but that's so not a popular cars, opinion. So if you if you look at any of the cars from the 50s, they tend to usually look the same. Yeah. The difference the really that I was finding yeah. was in the back of the car, mm-hmm. how they would style that. Yeah. So this car doesn't have that distinctive like back wing mm-hmm. that a lot of Formula One cars have now. Yeah. It literally just kind of tapers off. And that was for aerodynamics. So that goes back to World War II. The really interesting thing is a lot of the designers who designed warplanes were very inspired by that to design a racing car. Which is weird because you would think that they would want to design another plane, but whatever. Well, there was more money in this, I would imagine. Which I get. I just, it's weird. It's weird. So a lot of these cars, yeah, they were tapered off at the back. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of like bombers were tapered off just because of aerodynamic efficiency. So like I really loved planes (laughs) as a kid. So currently I still love planes. But some of the most aerodynamic plane models came out of, you know, World War One and World War Two. Mm-hmm. They weren't the safest. So aerodynamics does not mean safe all the time. Aerodynamics, <laughs> yeah, 
Especially in F1. fast. And it means, like, they could do more maneuvers. Well, planes do have to... <laughs> we'll talk about it later. Planes really do have a very important role in aerodynamics in the 60s. Which is super cool, because I didn't dope. know that that translated into Formula One until you told me. Incredibly. So. so, what's funny is that Colin Chapman actually designed airplanes before he designed Formula One cars. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, because he was in World War II, right? He fought, right. Uh, he fought in World War II. And... He's like, hey, if airplane wings are used for lift, why don't we just turn them upside down mm-hmm. and put them on a car to okay. make them go zoom? Huh. And that, that's, I mean, that's, that's not how a if, bad idea. That's just crazy. That's I would literally never think like, about that. So there's there's an idea, like, if you, like, turn a Formula One car wings, like, upside down. And like, you put wings and on it. And you put wings <laughs> like, on it. It would just fly. It would, just, it would fly. That's which crazy. Is crazy. This car um, actually sported the impressive statistics of having been in 46 races it had eight wins, it had eight pole positions, and it scored 10 fastest laps during its time on the track, which is, that's really good Were for a car. Were any of those fastest laps from uh, De Filippi? We're not going to talk about that. So at the Monaco Grand Prix, of 31 entrants for this race, only half set a good enough time to qualify. Jesus. So there were 15 qualifying racers out of 31 Damn. entrants. This is De Filippis' first time racing... In a Formula One race, the fact that she didn't qualify, as far as I'm concerned, doesn't prove that she's a bad racer. It proves far, that she's, it's her first race and yeah. half the entrants didn't qualify. How far off she, like, was the pace, how far off the pace was she compared to, like, the other ones that didn't qualify? See, you'd think that would be something I researched, and um, I promise you my research gets better on the Lella Lombardi episode. Okay. What's really interesting that I did um, think was pretty cool so, future Formula One management and Formula One administration president, Bernie Ecclestone. Oh, yeah, daddy. Oh, also. You know he's like five foot? <laughs> he's like Lalo's height. I love the idea. And he's like this scrawny old British guy. And babe, he grew out this like goatee. No. You know how Eddie Van Halen got clean oh, and then he no. grew out this. He has that. <laughs> Eddie Van Halen was like, I don't need heroin. <laughs> I just need my beard. <laughs> Literally. Bernie Ecclestone, who I actually didn't... He drove I'm in sure a we talked race. about it. Yeah, he did drive... I didn't... We didn't talk about I it I didn't at all. make the... Okay, good. Because I was... I did not remember this, and I felt really bad. and thought I just had spaced out for that part. I didn't do that research. It. My bad. I didn't either. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> Bernie Ecclestone did race. I don't know for how long, and I don't know how well he did, but... He didn't do well. He didn't qualify for this race. No. So, <laughs> if anything, he was average at best. But he was all... He... Bernie Ecclestone, I think, was also born, like, 1929. Okay, so he actually... Was like 35 or some Actually, shit. I did do... I lied. I have the time. Okay, so... <laughs> De Philippus's time of 1 minute and 50.8 seconds... Jesus, that's so fucking shitty. ...was only 5.8 seconds behind the qualifying time of the fastest 16th. 16. I can't... That read. means that she was 5 seconds slower than the person who was the slowest. Yes. If you think of it. So, like, there were the 15... But she was and, middle of the pack. Yeah, which is cool. I mean, 150 isn't... But, like, think of it in the sense of, like, not only is Monaco incredibly tight to drive around, this was back in the day when the Harbor Bay was literally just a rail and they had hay bales. Right, but So, that, imagine a slow car that's literally 20 seconds off the pace. You'd get lapped in, like, three or four laps. Okay, that's fine. But she was only five seconds off the pace, so don't be a bitch. No, I'm Anyways. saying good for her because it's fucking awesome. Oh, that's, I thought you were saying it was no, a bad thing. No, 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 no. I'm just getting it. I'm, initially, I was like, that's not bad. But then I was like, wait, no, that's actually kind of shit but i understand that like for her first outing in a car that's super this old is, yeah this yes. is her first she did race. great i'm not this gonna fault her for it that's dope fastest 16 for this race included future world champions mike hawthorne oh well jack brabham and graham Brabham. hill 
Brabham? Yes. Brabham? Brabham. Brabham. He was the owner of the Brabham team before Ecclestone bought I it. I thought it was the Brabham team. No, it's Brabham. This is awkward. And then who? Graham Hill? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, she was surrounded by stars, really. So Not really. She was teammates with Fangio, and he really took her under his wing. He mentored her a lot. That's he fucking dope. He told her one, his main piece of, of advice to her, which she did speak about on a, I think it was a radio show or something, mm-hmm. was he said, you go too fast, you take too many risks. <laughs> and her response was, I have to go fast because I'm a woman. Damn. And I think that really like speaks to the time because she was saying, I need to go fast because otherwise they're not going to take me seriously. She needed to take risks because they weren't going to take her seriously. It's good advice for a man. It's not good advice for a woman. And this was back in the context of the fifties. In the, in the context now. of the fifties. Yeah. I wouldn't, I'm not going to say it wouldn't hold now. I'm going to say it's not relevant, hopefully as relevant now, but I don't know. I'm not in motorsport racing. I don't know those struggles because there are different struggles for every gender, every ethnicity in every different situation. Yeah. I, I don't know what women in motorsport go through. I do know they don't get the recognition they deserve. And I do know that they, their talent tends to be looked over for men still. And that's not okay. Moving on June 15th, 1958, the Belgian Grand Prix. This race was kind of weird in that they allowed all of the drivers who entered to compete. Mm-hmm. There was no cutoff for a qualifying time. So they just let every slow-ass motherfucker every, in their mom. Everyone. So, unfortunately, Filippis did qualify in last place for this race. Damn. What I thought, Do you remember how you told me that Nelson Piquet was really shitty because he was qualifying, like, 13th, but here she is qualifying fucking dead last? Nelson Piquet had the money to have the crazy amount of training, and he had the benefit of being on a good team to Oh, I'm sorry. With. You're telling me this rich person also didn't? This rich woman who was not given the opportunity for the training. Mm. You mean the training of Nelson PK being a chain smoker? Because he didn't do any fitness. He was just naturally thin. That's where he got his fitness from. I meant training in a car, dick face. Anyways. Dick face? Well, you were rude. rude. How the fuck was I rude? So, I presented you with a fact. So what's really interesting for me is that there was no cutoff for a qualifying time, but they still held qualifying, which yeah. defeats the purpose <laughs> of... Quali- I, I don't think they didn't have pre-qualifying back then, did they? I didn't I see anything so. about pre-qualifying. pre-qualifying. They did two days of qualifying. Yeah, that means that they did like the aggregate time. Right. right? Yeah. But that's they, cool though. It was really weird. I mean, I understand why they did qualify, but they still did two days of now, qualifying. Where was this Belgian GP held at? Was it held at Spa? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> so Dee Philippus, she was actually nearly 34 seconds off of Tony Brooks's pole position time. It was held at Spa. Yeah, this was back in the day when they were using the old version of Spa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was eight miles long. It was crazy. And it ran through a town. Yeah. So, I mean, she w- she did not do well in this race. She was lapped twice. In it was, So it was a 24-lap race, and she was lapped twice. Mm-hmm. Not good. But she still finished, which, which is, is good what, what considering... What position did she finish in? Which is good considering... She finished last, didn't she? There's nothing wrong with that. She was given a shit car. That nine other cars failed to finish the race. So in total, the reason... Like, the amount of drivers that were here are 19 cars. So, 19 cars are entered. 19 cars start this race. 10 finish. DeFilippis did finish in 10th. But she finished, which is... How far back was she? Two laps down, yeah? Okay, how close was she to, like, the next person? She was two laps down. From the next person? Yes. Or from first place? From what I read, two laps down from... First, yeah? From first. Okay, 
But how close was she to like ninth place is what I'm asking. I don't have that information. Damn it. What do you want from me? Lucky. I was, I'm sorry. It's okay. You didn't give me like things that you would ask. <laughs> These are just things I'm curious about. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I don't know the answer. Google it. This would unfortunately be DeFilippis' only race finish in Formula One, which I mean, but, ugh. That a makes tenth me place really finish sad. isn't bad. It's not a point scoring position, but it, like today you'd get a point, which is dope. Right. Which, and we're also going to see that she didn't have as long of a career and didn't have the opportunities to race as many times as she should have Mm -hmm. because she was a woman. I'm the first person to say that if someone doesn't have the skill, I don't care if they're a woman, if they're a man, if they're non-binary, like I don't care. If they don't have the skill, they they don't have the skill. It sucks. You're telling me Fangio telling her that she didn't have the skills because she was taking too many risks is... He didn't tell her she didn't have skills. So Fangio believed in her. Mm -hmm. He was one of the main men who said, you can really be the person to break barriers here. Not only are you already breaking barriers by being the first woman in Formula One, you can be great, but you go too fast and you take too many risks. He didn't not believe in her. He didn't think she didn't have the skill. He saw the skill and the promise. He saw everything. He just knew that she was too fast and she took too many risks. But in her defense, if she wasn't too fast and if she didn't take those risks, she never would have ended up on Maserati's team as their works driver. I suppose. You can only follow so much advice, especially in the 50s, especially being a woman, especially being a woman in sports. And then add on top of that, she's in motorsports, which Mm -hmm. is still not popular for women to be in and it's 2021 but there is an all-female formula champion but it's not it's pretty much formula three for women babe but it's not formula one and we don't need to separate women from men as far as motorsports go yeah there are are no men allowed in that championship which i think is very sexist yep no 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 i would think that is sexist if there was equal opportunity for women to be in Formula One, Formula Two, Formula Three, Formula Four. If there, was, if there was equal opportunity, I don't mean one or two women in each formula. If there was equal opportunity for women to be considered just as much as men for those other categories, yeah. then I would say that having an all-female formula would be ridiculous. There is not. Well, I Across think that- all motorsports, women are regarded less highly than men just for the sheer fact that they are women. I don't think that's Why? true. Why? Because your performances speak for themselves. So women who perform well and are still looked over. What, which, what, which women in Formula One? Okay, other than, like, we'll get to Lela and... Lela. Lela. Because what you're telling me, De Filippis, she had one finish. Yeah, which I literally just said is because she wasn't given the opportunity to race as much as she should have. Yeah. So, come at me sideways later, baby. Not today, not about women's rights, and definitely not about women's rights This has nothing to do with women's rights. This has everything to do with women's rights in sports, and it's wrong, and I will fight you every step of the way on this. Okay, so you're telling me that now that there is an open championship for only women to compete, that that is not somehow... I don't want an open championship for only women. I want women to compete in all championships. They do, except for Formula One, because you want to know why? Why? Tell me why. I want to know why. Tatiana Calderon doesn't have the super license yet. That's why. You have to get a super license in order to... Why aren't more women getting super licenses? Because Don't tell they, me it's because they're not interested. Because I guarantee there is a be- little girl out there or a woman out there who wants her super license and is passed over over and over and over again by another man who has more money than she does. It's not or, about money. Really? Money, money. You're going to tell me. You're going to you're gonna tell me. You are going to tell me. Don't you don't you speak lyrics at me. You are going to tell me that it is not about the money in a sport that you have already said. In a sport that you have already said. It is about the money in. Formula One is about the money if A, you're qualified in terms of super license, (gasps) which the only 
babe, nobody knew who Sophia Flirsch was until she almost died in a racing accident. And then she got catapulted into the spotlight because, you know, she almost died and there was this horrific crash. That's why she was entered into the W series. Not because of, but she was finishing like, what, 14th, 15th? She was a midfielder, right? Still finishing. Babe, it's about- PK was a midfielder until he won a championship. No, until he won races. Which one of these women won races? Which yep. one of these women were in a car that was capable of providing them that? I'm not saying that these women aren't talented. I'm saying- You're saying that they I'm are saying... passed over for men who are put in better cars, not necessarily for the sheer fact that they have better talent, but because they have a penis. No, this has absolutely nothing to do with their sex. I'm not looking at any of these people as either a man or a woman. I'm saying in modern times, right? In today's day of motorsport, if you looked at Sophia Flourish's pedigree, her racing pedigree, right? What she's been doing this year, not only in the W series, but in whatever other category she's racing, whether it's F2 or F3, and you compare it, it to someone like Jack Aitken or like George Russell, and you didn't have any names, you're just, these are the race record of these people, which one of these people would you pick? They wouldn't pick Sophia. Because so because of one mediocre women, woman, all women are there for No, I'm saying if, if you want to go woman by woman and have me pick apart every single woman who isn't in Formula 1 today because they don't perform, then we can. This has nothing to do with the fact that they're women and everything to do with the fact that they aren't doing what they should be. The fact that they aren't given the opportunity to compete with the men It's not, is, an, it's not no, about opportunity, no, babe. No. Do you want to know how the cars are built in the W series and in Formula 3 and Formula 2. They're all spec. Everyone drives the exact same car. Everybody has the exact same car parts. The only thing they can change is pretty much just the wing. Then why is there a women's series? That actually, the women's series is really interesting. That's just because uh -huh. they wanted something that was only inclusive to women. Why? Which I think is sexist. No. That's no. like having Black History Month relegated to one month only. Like, cause there's more than just February to Black History Month, you know? Yeah. I don't know how to point out to you how creating the women's series creates the ability for then in Formula 2 and Formula 3, for them to say, well, why are you trying here? You could just go to the women's series. It's built for you. you that is know, created, you... no, 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 let me finish. Mm -hmm. That is created specifically to say, there's already a series for you because you have a vagina, you go there. They then do not get looked at with the same regard in these other formulas, other championships, yeah. because they have their own. They don't need to race in the others. It's similar, okay, not like the same. The similar thing happened in the ghettos in Germany, where they said, oh, you don't need to live other places. We created a town for you. Yeah. To the Jews. Yeah. It's the same thing. They can't break out into other branches because they have their own series. You want to know what's interesting is that the W series was created specifically for women. Bef this was, babe, the championship's only like two years old. So the because fact that this champion- the fact being, more women became interested in motorsport. Yes. Main teams didn't want to let them in. It's not because to, they didn't want no. to. It's because there were better drivers available. This has everything oh to do with God. the racing record. Okay, whatever. We're not having this fight. Look I've... at the stats. Don't look at someone's gender. You don't look at who they are. Just what they've done on so the race. every track. single woman, every single woman interested in motorsport right now doesn't have the stats. Every single talking, woman. I am talking no, no, about no, no, the no, ones no. that are racing in you the are, W Series. No. Those who have raced in F3, in F2. Okay, dear. So we're skipping this. We're just going to no, agree to disagree. I'm, mm -mm. Well, I'm, she, we, we can't... <laughs> we uh -uh. can't... We can't... We, uh, no, 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 we, we no, just no, aren't seeing no, eye to no, eye. No, And I'm not... I guess I just can't see it. Moving on. July 6, 1958. The French Grand Prix. This is held at Rungi? Rhone. 
No, it's not. Ruan. It's not called no. Rhymes. Oh yeah, reams. Reams. It's what called reams. Yeah. There's an I in there. Yeah. Okay. Reams. In northeastern France. Oui, oui. Oh, <laughs> literally right under there. Couldn't find any pronunciation. She literally for it. said wee oui, wee. Oui. So, D. Philippus was unable to compete. Back to our previous disagreement, yes. if that's what you want to call it. In a 2006 interview, this is 2006. Oh, wow. So she's old, old, huh? 2006, almost 50 years after this race, D. Philippus finally revealed why she wasn't able to race. And it was oh. because the French race director stated, the only helmet a woman should wear is the one at the hairdressers. Mm, so that's not okay. What really irritated me when I was reading Wikipedia, it said that she claimed this rather than that she said it in her yeah. interview. But we believe her because it was the 50s and men sucked even more than they do now. She literally could have just said I didn't race because XYZ. There's no reason yeah. for her to make that up. It's not that she claimed it. That's what was said to her. Yeah. If 100%. a man had said yeah. that in an interview, it would have been written as he said this, not mm -hmm. he claimed this. Mm -hmm. That's ridiculous. She didn't race because a male race director told her that she needed to be at the hairdressers rather than in a race car. Yeah, which I think is super fucked up. That's not okay. No, it's not. But, I mean, whatever. They have their own formula. What, what they do, do now. Care? 24th of August, 1958. Portuguese Grand Prix. This is held at the Circuit de Boa Vista in Oporto. 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 I can go for some port right now. I could just go for any alcohol to deal with you right now. De Filippis, who is actually allowed to race this time. Miracle. Qualified in last place, but she qualified. What car was she driving though? It didn't say she was driving a different car, but it didn't say what car she was driving. No. I do think the, the one of the positive things about this is that the first step to changing the culture is talking about these women. Mm. I mean, there's, maybe, I don't know, hearing other women out on women's issues. But yeah, I mean, whatever. you're, I mean, if you made a valid point. Then yeah. If I made a valid point, I want to hit you with my car. <laughs> I'm... I'm I joking. I am talking about in the sense of we're, we're doing this podcast. We have very limited information. Kimberly did all of the research and she struggled to find, like she said, any information. Anything. So if this helps anyone come out with any bit of information, let us know. We'll do like a follow-up. Please. I need we, more information. We need I want more, women. more. We need more information about women in Formula One because they did serve a very important purpose in breaking barriers, like Kimberly said. Yeah, and then getting their own formula. That way they wouldn't have to compete with the men. Whatever. It's it's Anyways. You know, you so. know it's part of the ladder series to get into Formula One, right? So the women's if you win the women's championship, it's pretty much like an F2 win, and you get super license points. But it's not an F2 win because you can't actually compete in F2 because they're not going to accept you, you because you there's another championship open to you. There are like Don't, three women do not competing at me right now. So Dee Philippus, she did not do well in this race. She was more than 15 seconds slower than the car directly ahead of her. Per rate, like lap? Or just like towards the end of the race? Like when she finished? No, in qualifying. Oh, fuck. Yes. So and in qualifying- And where was this at? Portugal? Sorry. The, the, yes. Okay, sorry. In Oporto. Yes. At the Circuit de Bovista. Yes. Which I'm pretty sure I said wrong. Again, it's okay. I did not look up any pronunciation. The Portuguese used to be like the biggest empire in the world for like 10 years. So they, at least they have that to fall back on. Yeah. It's okay. They Whatever. had their moment in history. She only lasted six laps in this race before her engine failed. Oh, rip. Um, That's really coming back. <laughs> I, I didn't know. Even the car couldn't handle a woman driver and I hate the 50s. Oh God. Um, Which is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. So September 7th, 1958, we move on to the Italian Grand Prix. Held at the Autodromo Nazionale. That's Monza. It's just Monza. held at Monza. Okay. Nazionale. How about you let me finish reading before interrupting me? You're right. Okay, so 
DeFilippis qualifies in the 21st pole position, which is the last for this race. Wait, then it's not pole position. Shut up. I wrote it wrong then. Yes, it's just that she's just qualified 21st. Okay, she qualified 21st. Moving on. She completed 57 of the 70 laps in the race. That's good. It is, but she had to retire because she had engine problems. Again? Yeah, well, babe, she was in a shitty car. Mm. What was she driving again, babe? So, she was in a 250F Maserati. Maserati, okay. Yeah, so, car was shitty. Yeah, well, you said the car was also, like, eight years old or something, right? Yeah, she was the final retirement of the race. 14 people retired. Yeah, yeah, that's typical But she did classify as finishing in eighth place because she finished the majority of the race. Mm. So... She got a place, which is good. Now, we go into 1959. May 10th, 1959, Monaco Grand Prix. Grand Penis. Shut up. The grandest. Grand Prix. It's held at the Circuit de Monaco. She joined the Barra Porsche RSK for the year, which is a team. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's a team that existed, and I know nothing about them. That's because this will be the first of Barra Porsche's two years as a constructor in F1. So they weren't around for long. Barra Porsche entered four total races over the two years that they were running. And they only had two starts, and they matched those two starts with two finishes. Rip. So they have a 50% success rate. Those are good odds if you're a casino. Yeah. So the RSK is the Porsche 718 RSK. The car model ran from 1957 to 1962. The open wheel single seat model was developed for formula racing. So it wasn't something that Porsche was normally designing, obviously. I mean, they're used to doing the They're used to doing like coupes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What's actually really interesting is that you can buy single seater, you you can buy a formula Ford like the Formula V that I had, but a little mm-hmm. bigger, you can buy it. This, like Ford will build one and have one come off the assembly line for you, and it's street legal. That's weird. Yeah, I don't. Like and it's that. like a single seater. It's really weird. You're like this. You're like a centimeter off the ground because the car's hella low. Oy. So you you can never drive it in the city. Yeah. No. And no the thanks. cops will pull you over every time they see it because they're always <laughs> gonna think it's illegal. Right. So. The RS for the car stands for Rensport, and the K reflects the shape of the car's revised ten- torsion bar suspension. I didn't know what that meant. It literally means the torsion bar suspension looks like it, like the letter K. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of dumb. So this car, <laughs> that hurts, had zero team championships, zero constructors championships, and five drivers championships total. Out of all of the years that it was used, How out of all of the races, five drivers championships. In what? Because it can't be F1. No. All of the driver's championships in this car, if you wait and let me oh, get I was gonna, to that. Okay, because you threw me off with that. You're just, because you started it off like, this oh, okay, yeah. car, okay, yeah, in yeah. the entirety of its lifespan. Yes. How long was that? 1957 to 1962. So, five years. Yeah. And it won a championship every year. All of those driver's championships in this car are in European hill climb race. So, on the Wikipedia description of this car, they didn't mention DeFilippis at all. But, I mean, it's fine. Technically shouldn't win anything in this car. 
So DeFilippis, again, fails to qualify, and this is for the May 10th, 1959 Monaco Grand Prix. I can't say that word. Shut up. So her time of 1 minute and 47.8 seconds was 3 seconds behind the last qualifying position and a further 1 second behind her teammate Wolfgang Von Trips. Oh, nice. Yeah. I didn't know they were teammates. Um, He ends up getting killed by Jim Clark in like fucking 6 years. Damn. That, oof. This was her final attempt at Grand Prix qualification in her career. But she did stay active in other areas of moto racing. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find on her Wikipedia page what those other areas of motor racing were. Mm-hmm. It just said she stayed active. That's cool. Not helpful, though. So we enter into her retirement and later career. August 2nd, 1959 German Grand Prix. This is held at the Automobile Verkurs und Übungsstrabe. Avis. It's held at Avis it's, it's in held at Avis. West that was Berlin. the longest Grand Prix circuit I think we've ever been at. It was like 18 <laughs> miles or something. Really? Yeah, it was a really Almost long Almost as long as the name. <laughs> I hate myself. Uh. This was only the second time the German Grand Prix wasn't held at the Nürburgring. Mm-hmm. So Di Filippis and former Ferrari driver John Bira were supposed to drive at this race, except on August 1st, 1959... John Bira was racing on the same track in an F2 race. So the day before the race, John Bira is like, I'm going to be racing an F2 race on the same track. Because you can't just relax mm-hmm. and wait. Yeah, so drivers made money. He probably made like half his money that weekend just racing that F2 race, which is really annoying. Oh, no, just wait. So this <laughs> this race featured rainy weather conditions that made the hairpin corner and steeply banked loop right after the portion of the track that consisted of the Autobahn. Extremely dangerous. Mm-hmm. I'm going to posit that the fact that the track was on the Autobahn at all made it extremely dangerous, but whatever, it's fine. So drivers were supposed to be navigating this turn at approximately 30 miles per hour before entering the steeply banked loop. Barra was going 110 miles per hour when he lost control on the steep bank and his car fishtailed. I don't feel bad for him. Well. I'm sad that he's dead. Oh, no, just wait, just wait. So the Porsche spun and went over the top of the banking, sending Barra flying out of the vehicle and into a nearby flagpole. No, did he get impaled? Man hit a flagpole. The flagpole... Flagpole. Okay. Flagpole. I I haven't had enough coffee. Broke after Barra hit it, and he rolled down almost into a street where drivers and cars often waited in a paddock to practice. It gets worse. A doctor from a Red Cross ambulance close by arrived and simply shook his head as it was determined later that Bira had broken the majority of his ribs and sustained a skull fracture which had killed him. So this guy, like, went all sorts of different places. Yes. He just, (laughs) some could say, flew away. Bad timing. Yes. It was funny, though. Yes. Um, So, due to her grief from the death of Bira, because she and... Him were close, I guess. I don't know. I, I thought it was weird, but then it was due to the grief from the death of Bira and several other of her friends and fellow racers during her time in the sport. Dee Filippis left the circuit and turned her back on motor racing for 20 years. Damn. So I was really confused when I read that because that was literally all Wikipedia said was just that, like, ew, because her friends died. She didn't want to do it anymore. But when you look back at the races and all of the people that she would have known and come into contact with mm-hmm. this decade, was really, really bad for crashes, for drivers dying. Absolutely, for, yeah. So that was, was what... It made more sense after I looked into that. Like, the bigger picture. The bigger picture, not just, like, 
what I was reading from her Wikipedia page, all of these people that she knew that she would have been, I mean, maybe not necessarily best friends with, but they would have run into each other multiple times. She would know them. She would know about their families. Mm -hmm. They were just getting in these horrible wrecks and dying. I don't know. Yeah, Jackie Stewart, when he was talking about why he, like, campaigned for safety in, uh, like, the mid to late 60s, said that... What was it? It was, like, the risk of getting into a car, like, one in three people would die. Like, that mm-hmm. was your chances. And now it's, like, 2%, right? Yeah. But he's, like, yeah, literally, like, I remember Jackie saying from, like, the time he entered F1 to, like, when he retired, something like 100 drivers died or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like, it's crazy. There were yeah. so many people. And it just, I I don't know that I could do that knowing how dangerous it is. It's fun, though. Racing's a lot of fun. So in 1960, Filippis marries Austrian chemist Theodor Huschik. Okay. I laughed. That's very name. Austrian. And <laughs> they started a family. I didn't find any more information about that, but that makes sense. She probably didn't want her kids everywhere. Maybe well, they just had dogs. I could have done some sleuthing. We could have... You could have done some sleuthing? You think you can like, do... Like, I'm saying that, like, if PK had some kid that, like, he didn't want known about, I could probably find out. Okay. Well, you're clearly the superior researcher. Me. Okay. It wasn't until 1979 that DeFilippis entered back into the world of motorsports mm. by joining the International Club of Former F1 Grand Prix Drivers. So she was with the International Club of Formula... Formula? Formula. <laughs> I give up. <laughs> Car turn, leave. <laughs> she was with the International Club of Former F1 Grand Prix Drivers for 18 years until in 1997, she took on the position of vice president. Ooh, bad bitch. I know. Good for her. She continues to do that. I didn't see anything about her resigning or moving on. No. So in 2004, Dee Filippis was one of the founding members of the Maserati Club, and she went on to become its chairperson. Nice. So then, unfortunately, we get to January 8th, 2016. We're in Scanzaresiati, maybe Lombardi, Italy. Yes. And this is where Maria Teresa de Filippis dies. Mm. I don't know how. I don't know where she's buried. I don't know what happened. But I know she died. How old was she? Like 90-something? She was 90 years old. Damn. So she lived a long life. Good one. She did a lot of shit. I'd be pretty... That's a pretty pretty full life. Yeah, I mean... You can say she was really like a trailblazer for women in F1. You could definitely say that, yeah. This has been a very tense episode, and so the next one will be on which of the Formula One drivers? Is it going to be... Next um, episode is going to be on Lola Lombardi, yeah. because she was the second female driver in Formula mm-hmm. One. And she was the one of the, like, the more well-known female drivers, too. Yeah, I would say. She's, she's notable for a few things, which we'll get to, but uh, yeah, Def Philippus, we can really say, is like the first like true i guess like female racer on like an international level yeah she was a bad bitch and she raced and whatever should i talk about her being a slow driver it's inconsequential mm-hmm. 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 doesn't matter i still think that she does deserve her place at the table of f1 legends um like all stats aside she was she was a bad bitch yeah okay well until next time until next time everyone